Today's interview is about miscarriage. My heart goes out to anyone listening who has experienced pregnancy loss in any way. If this is your first time listening, our kick bump episodes do start with an update on Harvey, who I am extremely grateful for, but I totally understand this could be triggering for some. So if you would like to skip past this intro and just get straight into the chat, uh, head forward about nine minutes sending you lots and lots of love and strength and I really hope you get something out of this chat with Nick today. Welcome to the Kick Bump Kick Pod, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. One, two, three, Hello guys, it is the last Kick Bump Kick Pod of the year. I have really, really enjoyed doing these episodes, I will say. It has taken some getting used to without Laura here with me, especially with the intro chats when I'm just talking to myself. I really have to visualize all of you around me to to get through it and just remember that there is people listening and I'm not just recording for myself. So thank you for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed the segment. Good news. Hopefully it's good news to you guys. We will be continuing it in the new year because I've just enjoyed it so much. And yes, very, very thankful that you guys are obviously too, because it's it's getting downloads and listened to. So thank you so much for listening. I will start off with some Harvey updates because I feel like so much has happened in the last two weeks. And I think that's something that I've noticed with him at the age that he is right now is he just like every new week, there is even, even every day, there is new developments. Things are changing all the time. But the biggest update would be teething. So he's got... I would say like his two bottom teeth have popped out. One popped out before the other, but yeah, now I can feel the other one is definitely there. You can feel like the top of it. And so teething, basically, you know what? It's actually, it hasn't been as bad as what I've heard from other people. So he's seven months old. Um, I don't know if that's like late or early for teething. I think it might be kind of the average, but he's still a really happy baby in his awake times, which we're super, super fortunate about and really grateful for. Um, It's just that he's a lot more clingy, I'd say, like just really doesn't want to let go of us, Um, which actually is another update. He's actually started to fully cuddle. You know, I've been waiting for the day that he actually like grabs onto me and pulls me tight or like tucks his face in and really cuddles. And he's started to do that, which is so sweet. Um, But it does mean that like, you know, part of the sleep training and the routine that we've had him in has gone out the window a little bit. Some days are better than others. And that's totally fine. We're just going with the flow and giving him what he needs. If he needs a little bit of extra comforting or soothing, or even if he needs to be rocked to sleep in my arms, like we are doing whatever, you know, kind of gets him sleep and rest and comforts him because it would be so hard. They would have no idea what's going on when it comes to teething. But I also want to say I really appreciate, I reached out on my social media when I first started going through teething for kind of advice on some different pain medications and stuff like that that can get them through. And so many of you gave such great advice. So I've really appreciated that. And we've obviously spoken to his doctor and cross-checked with him with everything. And it's, um, it's, it's really helped. So that's been great. Something he is doing a lot of now, which is actually his favorite position is sitting, like sitting up. He actually prefers it more than lying on his back these days. He is absolutely hating tummy time these days. So he is not close to crawling. Although I feel like I feel like my friend M said that her bub Jack was kind of like sitting and stuff before he was crawling. Like he never really liked tummy time. So maybe it's not a sign. I might be totally, I feel like I might've mucked that up. But anyway, basically what I'm getting at is he hates tummy time. It's making me feel like crawling's a long way away, except he is rolling all over the place, particularly in his cot. So he mustn't be too far off, but I'm not I'm not wishing this time away. I'm still appreciating the fact that I can put him down in one place and he will happily stay there. But it is really cute seeing how strong he is now when he's sitting up and actually being able to hold him up, hold himself up straight and everything is, is really sweet to see. And um, it's just crazy how much how much strength they grow so quickly. Um, we have tried an allergen. Well, we've actually tried a few allergens. Uh, we tried him with some peanut butter though the other day. I decided it was time. Um, so one piece of advice that my pediatrician gave us was to go into, you know, when you try allergens, go into it thinking that he's not going to have an allergy. Obviously prepare yourself and know what you're looking out for in case they do, but don't go into every allergen thinking something's going to happen or, you know, there's no point stressing about it and don't try not to keep putting it off further and further and further. Cause I think the later you introduce things, like sometimes it might 
add to the likeliness of them actually developing some sort of intolerance or um, allergies. So we did want to get onto peanut butter. Peanut butter is a big a big player in our house. We love peanut butter. Um, and so I was like really hoping that he's not allergic to it. We tried it once. We put like a little pea-sized amount on his finger before I served him some oats and he was all right. He got a slight rash around his mouth, but it wasn't anything to be too concerned about. I did contact his pediatrician straight away and I actually have contact with the lovely ladies at Tiny Hearts Education and I just checked in with them as well um, and it was all good. And um, we tried it again the next day because that's kind of the recommendation is to try it a few days in a row um, and he didn't have any reaction the second day. So we will kind of revisit it in a few weeks and just see or we might even book in and do an allergy test. Um, but he's tried that, he's tried wheat, he's tried dairy, like with yogurt, he's tried eggs. So, so far, so good with the allergens. Haven't tried him on any shellfish. I can't think off the top of my head if there's any more than that. But yeah, it's one of those kind of like daunting things. You want to get over that hump and and give it a go. Um, But so far, so good there. Uh, We've also tried him on formula, which is so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited to say that he takes formula. It was something that I was really... I don't know, I was nervous about introducing it because I wasn't sure how he would go, but it is so helpful for us. I mean, like up until now I was, well, other than, sorry, I I don't want to say exclusively breastfeeding because I wasn't, like I was doing solids and stuff like that, but I was just breastfeeding. Um, But it's a lot of effort, not only to pump every time I'm not with him and every time he feeds, like if I'm in the office all day, I try to pump at the times of the day that he's feeding so I keep my supply up. That's a lot of effort doing that. And I don't want to stop doing that because I definitely want to keep my supply up. But it's also a lot of effort to then like bottle it all, freeze it all, make sure I have enough in the freezer for whoever is at home looking after him to then feed. And then when I pump, I don't make enough for like a full feed. So formula is a really great option for us because I have been going back into work and I will be going back into work more next year. Um, So he actually took the first one we tried, which I know I'm really I'm really lucky to say that. I feel like a lot of people have to try a few different formulas till they get one that their baby likes. But the one that we tried is called Haven. It's a New Zealand um, grass-fed cow's milk-based formula. Um, and I just got it from, I think it was Coles, honestly. I just like walked in and I just, honestly, I judged the book by its cover and I was like, that looks cute. <laughs> and I picked it up. Um, but I'd heard good things about the Australian or New Zealand formula, so... Anyway, I grabbed that. He loves it. So we're going to we're gonna keep that um, up our sleeves for feeds when I'm not around, which I'm, yeah, super happy about. Um, now, before we get into today's episode, I would like to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Cubo AI. I literally, and Josh too, rely on our Cubo AI baby monitor every single day day. I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now because I'm at the podcast studio. I'm not at home. And so I'm watching him from here. Um, it gives me the peace of mind knowing that I can rely on the advanced AI technology to make sure Harvey is safe and sound in his cot. The Cubo AI baby monitor is packed with additional features. And one of my favorites would have to be the automatic photo capture. The pictures are so incredibly clear and I just love being able to snap the cutest photos of Harvey without going in and waking him up. Josh and I often also take little recordings of him like if he's done something cute. I swear the other day he yelled out mum in his sleep and I was able to record it and capture it and send it to all his friends and family. So love that feature. The temperature and humidity detection feature is also really handy, especially as the weather gets warmer in here in Melbourne. It's been like ebbing and flowing and humid one day and not the next. Um, But just to make sure the room's not too hot or too cold while he's sleeping. Cubo AI baby monitors are smart home compatible. So they have two-way audio and the actual monitor is designed like a cute little bird. So it fits into any nursery aesthetic perfectly. I can't recommend Cubo AI baby monitors enough. Safe sleep for babies, peace of mind for parents. Head to getcubo.com to check them out today. Now, guys, today's chat is a really, really special episode. Um, It is with the beautiful Nicole, who's actually from our kick team. Nicole, sadly, has experienced not one, but two miscarriages over the last year. And in an effort to change the way that we speak about miscarriages and to comfort anyone going through it, to help them feel a little bit less alone, Nick is really keen to be open with her experience and share her story and thinks, screw the stigma, she's talking about it. 
So trigger warning, Nicole is really generous with how much she really rawly goes into her experience with miscarriage. So if any of this may be triggering for you, maybe skip this podcast. But here is Nick. Hello and Hello. welcome to the Kickpot. It sounds you. so weird saying that to you. I know, I've seen you guys do so many and I can't <laughs> believe that I'm sitting here with you about to have a yarn. No, I know. And you we just had a little bit of a dance, guys, shaking off some, some nerves. But you have nothing to be nervous of, Nick. It's an honour to have you on the Kickpot, oh, honestly. And I can't thank you enough for... You know, already opening up to our community, you know, you've written a beautiful blog for us and, you know, media articles have picked it up because it was so amazing and just can't tell you how much I appreciate your bravery and honesty and rawness with our community. It's so beautiful and the fact that you're going to continue that and even come on here is just so amazing. So you should just, I don't know, give yourself a pat on the back or anything. It's really, really beautiful. But I thought we could start with, you know, your story and, and what happened. So kind of what you spoke on in the blog but yeah just what what happened no worries <laughs> take us through it um well first I just wanted to say uh sorry if I sound like an absolute rookie guys because <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done anything like this uh but no super excited to be here and yeah I just wanted to acknowledge you know today I'm here to talk about miscarriages and Miscarriages are actually only one of the wild journeys to motherhood. There's so many different, you know, people experience so many different experiences with infertility and miscarriages are so common, you know, one in four pregnancies, unfortunately, end in miscarriage. And, you know, six babies are born still every day, which Mm. is just so crazy Mm. to even think about because my heart just absolutely breaks for, you know, women and their partners who have to go through that. And, you know, infertility is affecting one in six Australians at the moment. So it's so common. And for some reason, you know, it is starting to get more spoken about now, but I still feel like there's still the stigma and just, yeah, I'm just so glad that I'm able to talk about it and hopefully help others who are listening to this. Absolutely. I think, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I guess I'll give you guys a bit of a backstory. So my husband, Dan and I, we were married in August, 2019 and It's crazy thinking back now because it was January 2020 and we were like, okay, now we'll go off contraception. And the reason why we waited till January is because I didn't want to be pregnant for like Christmas and New Year (laughs) that year. And I was like, and it's so nuts to think that, you know, you think, okay, I'm going off contraception. I'm going to get pregnant right now. And I think that's what most people think. It's, It's what we were taught in high school. I mean, like, don't even think about sex. Don't, you know, don't, don't do it. Otherwise you will get pregnant. So it's, it's shocking. I think as we get older to, to realize the kind of stats, exactly like what you shared, even the stats on infertility and everything like that. It's, it is shocking. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, for the first few months, we were just trying pretty casually. Like yeah. we weren't really tracking our cycle or um, the first month that we actually were like, okay, let's knuckle down and get this done. We actually fell pregnant, which was super exciting. And so that was in August. Mm-hmm. And when we went and had our first dating scan, we actually found out that uh, we conceived on our wedding anniversary. And like, I remember Dan and I were laughing and we were like, oh my God, imagine like at our kids 21st and like we can embarrass them and say, you know, we had sex the night of our <laughs> wedding anniversary and you yeah. were conceived. Yeah. But yeah, like I remember looking back at my pregnancy and, you know, it was really great and, you know, my boobs were really big and I was <laughs> loving that Stop. and like I was a little bit tired and a little bit nauseous but like, you know, nothing, a little Vegemite mm. cracker couldn't fix mm. or whatever. Um, but yeah, and I just remember uh, just really craving the day that my that I would get a bump like I was just mm. so excited for mm. the day that my my bump arrived mm-hmm. and that was just the one thing that I was just really really looking forward to um but yeah I guess it all started going a bit downhill um when I was 11 weeks and five days and that's when I noticed I went to the bathroom and I noticed some brown spotting mm. and at the start my heart just like absolutely sunk and I was just like oh fuck like just mm. completely jumped to conclusions but then you know I kept calm and I went back onto the couch and chatted with Dan and like he did some Googling and we found out that because we had had sex the night before, your cervix is quite sensitive when, you, um, when you're pregnant. So it could be quite normal to have some like brown discharge. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, you know, put my mind at ease, went to sleep, whatever. Then um, in the morning, that's when I had a shower and I noticed that there were a few blood clots. So I was like, okay, shit, something's not right here. Um, and I knew that from then that I had to go and see the doctor and like my doctor was really sweet about it. Um, he did some tests and he just kept me really calm during the day. And 
It was, I remember it was a Friday and I had my 12-week scan booked for the Wednesday and he was like, oh, you know, you could wait till then, but, you know, it might be good to go and have a scan, like, just for peace of mind. And I was like, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm waiting till Wednesday. And, um, yeah, so I think at this stage, like, he ended up booking me in for a scan that afternoon at Caulfield Hospital and at this stage I kind of knew that there could be the potential that something wasn't right. But, like, I was still so holding on to hope. And of I was course. like, no, it's fine. Of course. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And I even, like, my appointment was in the afternoon. And I remember I even, like, jumped back on and did some work. And I was just like... Distracting Yeah, distracting. Yeah. yeah. I'm just doing anything that I could. But, um, yeah, when I got to the scan... Um, Dan was stuck in hospital, uh, sorry, not stuck in hospital, stuck in traffic. And um, he was running about 10 minutes late and I just did not want to go in the scan room without him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the doctor was just being really rude and like really adamant. He's like, we've got to go in now. And I was just like, oh, I'm like, my husband's literally like trying to find the right ward. Can you just give us a few minutes? But he was like, no, you've got to come in. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I just text Dan being like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. in. Hopefully you can find me. Yeah. And... Um, well, yeah, we started the ultrasound and my phone rang and the guy just ignored it. And then I remember him, he was like looking at my belly for like 20 seconds and um, and then he stopped and he was just like, you know, he's like, do you reckon that was your husband calling you? And I was like, yeah. And then I knew like something was wrong because I was like, why would this guy just be, you know, go from zero to hero and like care where Dan was? And um, so, yeah, Dan would come rush, like he rushed in and he was like holding my hand sitting next to me and like we could literally see our baby on the screen and um, yeah, and and the doctor was like, um, he's like, oh, it's measuring, you know, nine weeks and two days and, um, you know, at the time we were supposed to be about 11 and five and I was like, oh, you know, maybe they just... Little stuck. guy. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, maybe he's just small, or maybe he's just, you know, they messed up my dates or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we noticed that it just it wasn't moving, and it, you know, I was even like, oh, maybe it's just sleeping. Um, but and then he was like, you know, oh, at this stage, usually it's quite easy to find a heartbeat. But um, he was like, we'll just, you know, keep zooming in, to try in different angles to try and find it, and um, yeah, then. Eventually, he, like, looked at Dan and I and he was like, at some point, like, your baby stopped growing and we were just both like, fuck. Like, it was just so shit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that you just feel like, I don't know, just sad and gutted and just, like, in shock. And, yeah, it's a, not a nice, not a nice Oh, feeling. my God, no. <laughs> I can't even... I can't even fathom it. And I like I want to be like cuddling you right now. I feel like reaching over and holding your hand. Um but it's mm. oh, I just yeah. It's 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 so messed up. And the fact that it's so common, it's just it's so heartbreaking that so many people have to go through this. And yeah. like it's, yeah, the story just gets crazier. Um, yeah, I mean, explain, explain what happened after cuz kind of infuriated me yeah. I mean even even from the moment that he you know was rushing you in there when he knew very well that there could be some bad news coming yeah. it's just horrible from that point but then yeah. it, it did kind of just get worse when it came to the way it was dealt with didn't it yeah yeah definitely and um we were kind of we were just told to leave and like I remember I had to get Dan to pay we had to pay like it, it all of this costs so much money yeah, as well. And we're just yeah. like, you spend so much money on all these doctor's appointments and mm. you're going through such a hard time. It's Yeah, it's just, it's messed up. Give us a break. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and, but there was no, you know, no support, no pamphlet, hit go to this website, yeah. whatever. And um, so we went back to my GP that afternoon and that's when he was telling me, um, you know, he's like, okay, go, go home over the weekend and... You might pass it, but if you don't, then we'll call a specialist on Monday. And but like he had not, he didn't say to me, like what's passing? Yeah, I know. I was like, what am I going to pass? Is it like a period? Yeah, like what is it? Yeah, Yeah. and that's exactly what I thought because at the time I was bleeding, and so I was like, okay, you know, maybe it'll just get a little bit heavier. Um, But yeah, I was really underprepared for what to expect, and I, yeah, I'm. 
like two days later, I decided to, you know, actually investigate and be mm-hmm. like, okay, what am I actually in for here? Because I feel like this isn't going to be over as quickly as, you know, what I thought. This time, honestly, it just made me so angry because I was like, if it's so common, why are we yeah. not told what yeah. to expect or, you know, a website to go to? Or Because you don't want to be Googling stuff when you're in this state of mind. Like, it's just, you don't want to go there. You just want to be told, like, if you want any more information, head to this site or call this number or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it was weird. Like, I, I found myself getting really angry at that point. And, yeah, one morning I was up at, um, like, 2.30. I, I got woken up by these, like, really sharp stabbing pains. And it was kind of like a period pain, but, like, on steroids. And um, it was so strong that I just t- took myself to the couch so I didn't want to wake up Dan and just stayed away awake all morning and um and that's when I actually like I started writing the story um but I don't know I think felt just for felt me like you were in the right yeah to yeah express yourself yeah yeah and journaling and writing has just been like such a good outlet for me yeah uh, that evening so after like the sharp pains are kind of gone and then I was left with like this extremely bloated stomach mm. and it was bigger than my stomach had ever been throughout my whole pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so fucked. Like I've yeah, got that's what you wanted. I've now got what I wanted, but mm. my freaking baby mm. isn't yeah. alive, which yeah. is just yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so shit. Um so yeah, there's there's symptoms like that that would you know, I know it wouldn't happen to everyone, but it'd be nice to know that yeah, what you may hundred percent ex you know, experience. But yeah, because of COVID, the public hospitals had a waiting list. Um, so I was referred to a fertility control centre and um, I was booked for a DNC, which is the procedure that will help clear everything out yeah. um, that Friday. So it was a week after we found out. And um, I was given the website. So I was like, oh, you know, finally I'm going to be able to find out, you know, what's some involved. More yeah, yeah, some more information. But like, to my surprise, it was actually, you know, predominantly in an abortion clinic. Right. And there wasn't one mention of miscarriage, like, on the website at so all. So it was all just about, like, yeah, choosing to have an yeah, abortion. Yeah, and termination, yeah, okay. which is totally fine. Yeah. Like, you know. But it's not the information you were looking yeah, for. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I even was, like, you know, control F to try and find yeah. miscarriage and there wasn't one mention of it on the website, which is, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, on the... On the day of the procedure, it was weird because I, fe- I felt really numb and I was so, but I was, I was so scared and sad, but I was also looking forward to it because it meant closure and we yep. could start to move on. Yep. Because, you know, every, every time I went to the bathroom for that last week, you know, I was just constantly wiping away blood and it was just this like horrible reminder. And so I was just really ready yep. for that to stop. But yeah, the procedure itself, it was really quick. We were only there for about two and a half hours you know, we saw a doctor and a counsellor and so that was really good and I went into the procedure um, I was under, so that was good and it, was, it wasn't it was painful. I was in recovery for about an hour and they gave you some nice biscuits and a tea and then we were, like, sent off on our way. Yeah, okay. Um, and, like, the staff and, you know, they were so professional and supportive but what really got to me was the terminology and the paperwork um, as you can imagine from what was on the website, yeah. there wasn't much to do with miscarriage on the forms and it all referred to, you know, pregnancy termination and when I was feeling so vulnerable, I was asked to complete a questionnaire about how I was feeling about this decision and I was like, this is not a decision. This, so fucked. Yeah. And, you know, when I checked out, my record said pregnancy termination and that's just, I was in the car and I just remember being like, that's yeah that's horrible that's horrible but yeah I sense uh, like I've given feedback to them since and I don't know um if if they've made any changes Mm. but I you know hopefully something happens oh my god hopefully absolutely you it's not like you were the first woman to have walked in there to have had that so that's I mean it's great that you gave feedback but it's so sad that you had to like that would have just been such a Mm. horrible experience like a cherry on top of you know something that you're already going through so I'm sorry for you for that. Um, And I mean, like, as we touched on before, Nick, when you're in high school and when you're first learning about sex, you know, it's all about avoiding pregnancy. There's all these different pills you learn about, condoms, et cetera. And I feel like, you know, the miracle of pregnancy and childbirth is not 
it's, it's not really explained as to mm. how it actually is a miracle. And I remember when I fell pregnant, I started researching and watching YouTube videos because I just really wanted to understand, you know, I mean, I did sex ed. I, mm. I, I know how it works, but like all the actual details of how much actually has to go right. Mm. And the timing. <gasps> and, yeah. There is so much that has to fall into line, mm. like so, so much. And the body, you know, it, it just, it's, it's crazy and it's crazy. It's, it's, it is truly a miracle and it makes sense as to why the stats are, that what they mm. are, you know, when, when it comes to miscarriage because it is that, that crazy miracle that just everything has to align. Mm. Again, like why it's not spoken about more so that, you know, women can feel that way, I, I don't quite understand. Um, and in the blog you spoke about, you know, when it is that first trimester, when you're in that time where you're waiting for that 12-week check and you're not really meant to tell anyone and because, you know, that that could happen mm. to you. We all hope for the best that it doesn't, but we know that there is a chance. Why – you mentioned that you were a bit frustrated about that, mm. you know, like why can't I just tell my friends and family? Like, you know, they're probably the people I'd go to if I – if something did happen anyway. How do you feel about that now? Do you still feel the same way, you know, mm. about – telling people that you're pregnant before 12 weeks like what what are your feelings around that now I think after experiencing miscarriage yeah um 100 I think this I know that this is such a personal decision and yeah, some people course. you know they prefer to keep it to themselves and just be in their little yeah, you know bubble. pregnancy bubble yeah. um but for me personally I you know I've yeah I never understood why we had to wait till yeah. the 12-week mark I think it's there's a few reasons behind that and I think one of them is it's almost setting the scene that if anything were to happen then you can keep it to yourself and you should keep it to yourself and I think that it's so important to talk about miscarriage and to build awareness and you know it's just been such a coping mechanism for me to be able to talk and share and so yeah that would be that would be one of the reasons I remember Dan and I a couple of weeks after we had the our miscarriage, we were having some friends over and we were talking about whether we'd tell them about the miscarriage. Mm. And Dan said to me, he was like, oh, he's like, oh, I don't know if we need to make them feel bad. And I was like, actually, fuck that. Mm. I'm like, why should I pretend and put on a mask that, okay. that I'm okay just to make other people feel co- more comfortable? Mm. I was like, no, nah, that's not going down. So yeah. we, yeah, we ended up, he was like totally on board with that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, we just ended up telling people, and now obviously here I am on a podcast, so telling a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people are gonna know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the more we talk about it, obviously the more common we realize that they are, and we know the stats one and four. But you always kind of think like, oh, this isn't going to happen to me, or yeah. it's not going to happen to my friends. Yeah. But the more you talk about it, the more you realize, um, you know, how common they are. Um, but yeah, I think. When it comes to, you know, whenever I do get pregnant next, I'll 100% be telling, you know, my close friends and family, there's no way I'll be like putting it on social media or anything before yeah, yeah, that yeah. 12 week mark. But I know that I will need my friends and family during that stage. And I, I know like I'll even tell you and Laura probably <laughs> as soon as I bloody find <laughs> out because I know that it, like I'll be so excited yeah. and yeah. so nervous yeah. and I know that it will be yeah, it's going to bring 100%. like a, a different roller coaster that I'll be jumping on. And um, yeah, f- like for me, because my I haven't experienced a pregnancy that goes past that 12 week mark. So yeah. I want to be able to celebrate it. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I hate to say it, but just in case, you know, but yeah, I want to yeah. be able to celebrate it. No, absolutely. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we mentioned that stat, that one in four stat. Um, and I think it's like, it's an important one because you know, you don't want anyone to feel alone in what they're going through. You want them to make sure, mm. you know, and I'm sure it, it might have helped you in a way to know that it is quite common. But at the same time, you know, I've had a girlfriend who has experienced a miscarriage and she said that there was often she would have a conversation with friends or family and this might have been past that point where she had kind of, you know, mourned the loss and mm. was working through it, but that they might not have ever really said the right thing and they mm. might have mentioned things like the stats in a way of comforting her. Um, and she was like, I'm, you know, I'm not another stat. I just don't exactly. want to just be another stat. Yeah, like, like, it I'm- is something that happened to me. Don't mm. take that away from me. It's, it was horrible. Um, so I think what would be really helpful, Nick, and, you know, this podcast is absolutely not about those who haven't experienced it, but mm. I think something that would really help those who have mm. is maybe helping others around them like their friends and family 
you know, what what are the right things to say? What are the mm. maybe the wrong things to say? Or like how can we be there for, for others who might have gone through a miscarriage? Yeah, well, I think when it comes down to, you know, what to say and what not to say, I think everything comes from a good place. And I, I can imagine that it would be really awkward like trying to figure out what the hell, like I, I, when I think back of, you know, my experience and thinking about my friends coming over and whatnot, it would be awkward for them not knowing what to say because they haven't been through it and they, yep. they can't relate and yep. it's just such a shitty thing. And so I think one of the main things is to avoid silver linings. Um, and I know that it can be quite difficult, but just remember try and avoid saying things that start with at least. Yes. That's just a super... Hopefully, hopefully if you take one takeaway yeah Yeah. just try not to say at least so you know at least you can get pregnant that's something that's been said to me and I'm like yeah I can but I can't carry you know to I don't have a baby Mm. um and you know at least it was early days or at least you know you didn't know the baby or you didn't know the sex or you know at least you know if someone's already got a child at least you already have Johnny you know um it just Uh, yeah at least yeah 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 um, but in saying that, just just being there, it's just yeah, and showing up for your friends and checking in on the daily. I think, especially in those first few weeks, you know, grief. I mean, it doesn't go away. Like I still think about it every day. Yeah. And in the first couple of weeks, just making sure that you know you're regularly checking in with your friends, even if you're just saying, you know, sending them a text saying like I'm thinking of you or like you know how are you today. And you don't need to, you know, they may not respond and don't hit them up and, you know, whatever. But I think just constantly checking in and just making sure that they're okay because it is such a roller coaster and you will, you know, you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. And, yeah, just knowing that, um, you know, I I had my friends messaging me so much and I was like, I swear you guys have me on like a rotating, (laughs) like, (laughs) calendar to make sure. But it just meant the world, like, because I was just – surrounded by support and even though you know I am living in Melbourne and all my family's in New Zealand and separated from COVID and went through both these miscarriages like without my family my mom and um you know just being able to you know they sent love from afar whether it was you know like a bunch of flowers or even like a handwritten note I remember like one of my favourite things was it was actually a card that came with a bunch of flowers and it just said something like here for you and it's just this like bright pink card and it was on the bench and I was just like, oh, it just kind of got yeah. me through. And then another one I loved, my friend sent me a, um, a bunch of sunflowers and that was just the best mm-hmm. because every time I saw it, I smiled and which is a bit of a rarity at that time. Of course. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be big, it, you know, even just like a little care package with like, you know, some tea or a wheat bag or, you know, some cute comfy pyjamas or something, Mm -hmm. Um, sending some love from afar, however it looks like. um, Yeah, they'll honestly be really grateful for that. Um, And then I also think uh, listening is also really important. Like I, you know, I didn't expect my friends to come over and with all these wise words to make me feel Mm -hmm. better. Um, All I needed was... Shoulder. Yeah, a shoulder, just someone to talk to and... So, you know, just let them guide the conversation and just ask them how they're doing and, you know, if there's anything that you can do to help them. Um, But, yeah, just just be there. (laughs) I think that's amazing advice and I think particularly with the – at least I think that is a takeaway is a, mm. a really good thing to keep in mind because you're you're so right when you are trying to comfort someone sometimes we do naturally try to find some sort of positive mm, exactly and in some opportunity some some not opportunities in some circumstances that does work mm. but when it comes to something like this it's, yeah it's just probably not yeah. Not the topic not the time yeah um oh and I, I guess like if you were looking for things that you could say, um, just saying really, you know, just, I'm sorry. Yeah. What can I do to help? You know, I'm here for you and just, just tell them this fucking sucks and it's so unfair. Like that's validate. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah. What do you think was like the one thing that got you through? I mean, obviously the cards and the flowers and and Mm. love from that would have been amazing. Is there something in particular that got you through? Oh, I think it would have been a, it would have been a combination of things. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, talking about it 
and writing it down was just massive for me. I think the more I was able to talk about it, the more I was able to digest and process what had happened and it just became that little bit easier. Also staying off social media during that time is like I couldn't recommend it enough because Mm -hmm. in the excitement of your pregnancy, you go on and you're like, you know, following all these new baby Mm -hmm. pages and Mm -hmm. people who are pregnant and stuff and then all of a sudden, and even with, you know, pregnancy announcements and bump updates and stuff like that, my Instagram's just flooded with it. And so just taking some time out for that and, you know, when you are feeling comfortable, maybe just, you know, unfollowing or muting or getting a friend to do that for you, um, just so that it's not, you know, front of mind all the time. Um, And then seeing a psychologist that has helped me massively, like could not rave about it enough. Um, And I actually see a psychologist who specialises in um, pregnancy and baby loss. So she's just been amazing. And she she makes me, you know, she helps me realise that my feelings are valid and that, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to not feel this like, you know, bubbly, happy person all the time. And she's like, you've just lost your baby. Like, calm down. Yeah, (laughs) It's okay to be feeling like this. So it's just kind of, you know, reassuring me that my feelings are valid and that it's totally normal to be feeling like this. That's great. Um, Yeah. Oh, and actually one, um, I I was listening to the Life Uncut podcast. Um, It's actually episode 25 if anyone wants to listen to this. And Laura Byrne actually chats about her two miscarriages. And I was actually, I listened to this that morning that I was up at like 2.30 in the morning and I, my friend had given it to me like a day before and she's like, listen to it when you're ready. And honestly, listening to her just talk about miscarriages like it was like I was tuning into a friend who had gone through it and I just remember being like fuck finally like there's some relatable content that I can you know relate to and that was just super super helpful so I'm hoping that by me sharing my story Mm -hmm. I'm able to be that helpline to other women who are going through it so that's been a big help and I think something that's really driven me to um keep talking Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And I think, um, I think that's amazing that Laura spoke so openly. Mm. And again, I'm so thankful that you're here because absolutely, Nick, I think this will be helping so many. Um, but what you, what you touched on was that it has happened to you more than once. Mm. So your second experience with miscarriage, I like can't tell you, Laura and I was so devastated for you. Um, can I ask you about that mm-hmm. experience? And I suppose, you know, when it comes to having a miscarriage, especially when it was the first time you were being pregnant, mm. I sh- I'm sure coming to the decision, you know, between you and Dan of possibly mm. trying again and everything, that would have been a process as well. And do you mind talking through your second experience as well and sharing that if it differed yeah. in any way? Yeah. Well, it was actually, it was completely different. And it's, yeah, it's crazy that you think, you know, your one body you think you'd do things mm. the same way, but it was it was really different. Um, so after our first miscarriage, we were told to wait one period cycle before we started trying again. And Dan and I both agreed that, you know, my mental health was the number one priority. Yes. And so we needed to make sure that I was in like the best mind frame. Yeah. Um, Not just about your physical health. Exactly. When your physical body's ready, it's about yeah. when you're mentally ready. For, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, exactly. Um, because, you know, jumping on that whole roller coaster of trying again, it, it's so emotional and overwhelming. So I just needed to be like, okay, no, I'm just going to take this time for myself and focus on me. Um, so yeah, the DNC procedure, it would have been in November. And then we started trying again in January. And in February, I got the job with Kick, mm-hmm. and I, which was awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> and I was starting in March, and so when I found out about the job, we decided to actually stop trying, and because we were like, no, I'll focus on my job, <laughs> and you know, we'll give it a few months, and then mm. we'll get back into it. I ended up finding out two weeks before I started that I was pregnant. And I was just like, holy, (laughs) oh my gosh. And I was like, I knew that you, I was like, okay, when I tell them, they'll be so supportive. I'm like, these girls are amazing. I mean, I was pregnant at the time. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. I was like, I knew you were pregnant. It's like, I know, I was like, I'm in good hands. Yeah. and my first month working with Kick, we were working from home because mm-hmm. we hadn't moved into the new office yet. And we, you guys had planned that winery lunch. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh, crap. I was like, 
how am I going to hide my pregnancy? And I was like, do I just tell them before or do I just pretend that I don't drink? And I was like, but I'm such a bad liar. <laughs> I was like, they're going to know. But um, yeah, it, it, um, unfortunately, you know, I didn't even have to come to that because that week I found out that we were having another bloody miscarriage. And um, I just wanted to, I'll rewind a little bit mm. because yeah, this pregnancy and the miscarriage was completely different mm. to um, the first one. And pregnancy after loss is just, it's a completely different ball game. And when I was pregnant, I was so excited, but like shit scared at the same time. Yeah. Because to me, pregnancy doesn't mean a baby. It yep. means heartbreak. Yep. And so I've, I think I really put my guard up to protect myself. And, you know, the first time... I was pregnant, I was like in the, the baby apps and like seeing what size fruit the baby would yeah. be. And, um, you know, I was following all these baby accounts on Instagram and whatnot, but I just, I, I didn't really look at the app. I had it set up. Um, that's another thing, actually. When I went into the app, when we were starting to try again, it's like, oh, you were 20 weeks or whatever. And because I'd forgot, oh, you know, you just didn't even yeah. think because you were just out of the app. Yeah. And it actually stung me both times. Oh, <laughs> and I was of course. Like, so, um, so, yeah, if anyone's listening to this, maybe when you're ready um, or you could get someone else to jump in and just switch it back out of the pregnancy mode so you don't get a horrible little surprise yes. down the track. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I, I know, like, the first pregnancy, my friend – oh, I had a bump book and I was, like, writing in that every week. And then my second pregnancy, my friend gave me another one to just start fresh. But I was so scared to write in it because I just didn't want to – I just didn't want the story to end – and it, it, I think when you experience pregnancy after loss, you just feel robbed of like the happiness and the obliviousness, yeah. if that's a word. I get it. Um, yeah. yeah. And because you're just more aware of like, this may not go to plan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every time, and I, I've, I've read that this is quite a common thing that, you know, every time I go to the bathroom, I'd be so nervous to look at the paper, like the toilet paper and see blood on there. And so that was just a daunting experience, um, which I know that it's something, you know, when I do get pregnant next that I'll not be looking forward to, but it, yeah, I'm, I'll be aware of it. Um, so yeah, with, with that pregnancy, I had my dating scan as soon as I could. And in hindsight, I really wish that I hadn't because the doctor mentioned, like we went and had the scan, right? And there was no heartbeat. And, but the doctor was like, oh, you know, try not to worry because it might be too early. And she told us to wait another 10 days and then come back. And, like, I was so angry at my GP for allowing me to book that scan when, you know, there could be a possibility that it yeah. was too early. And I wasn't that eager to go and see it because, for me, scans aren't happy. Like, yeah. scans are terrifying. So I could have quite happily held off for, like, another week. Um but yeah, as you can imagine, those 10 days were horrible. And like I said to Dan, I was like, why does this ha why is this happening to us again? Mm. And he was like, he was like, you're talking as if we've already lost the baby. And, you know, and I was like, oh, I guess I am. And I think that was kind of a wake up call to try and like as hard as I can to try and look for the, for the positives. Um, but at the next scan, so 10 days later, you know, thankfully there was a heartbeat and we were so happy but our baby was only measuring six weeks when it should have been eight weeks and the heartbeat was also quite slow. And the lady who was doing the scan was like, oh, you know, it's good, but I'm, I'm not 100% happy with the pregnancy. Uh, can you come back in another 10 days? And I was, we were like, you are kidding me. Like it was just so drawn out. And I remember my when we told my friends and family, because everyone was on edge, like oh, tell us if, you know, if there's a heartbeat, and I, you know, we told them there was a heartbeat and they were so stoked and everyone was like, you know, just so happy for us. But I was, I couldn't get excited. Yeah, yeah. I, like I needed to know that the baby was okay and that I was tracking right. And I tried to be happy, but I just knew that like, I, yeah, I wasn't oblivious. I wasn't like, you know, my dates were two weeks out of whack and I didn't feel like I was pregnant. Like I didn't have like the big voluptuous boobs <laughs> and um yeah it just felt different and I think yeah I just I just knew and so when we had 
the next scan, 10 days later, um, our baby had grown two millimetres in 10 days and it's supposed to grow like one millimetre a day at that time. And the heart rate was really, really slow. Um, And so then, yeah, the lady told us, she's like, look, at some point you're going to miscarry the baby. And that was just, oh, we're like, here we go again. Like, just so shit. And the thing with that is um, lockdown wasn't too hectic at that time and I don't even think we were in lockdown. So there was the possibility to go to Sandringham Hospital, but Sandringham wouldn't do the DNC if there's a heartbeat because essentially that's a termination. And so she suggested that we came back in another week to see if there was still a heartbeat. But Dan and I were just like... So just wait it out. Yeah, we're like, no, for the potential of being in the same position a week later and we were just like, no, we're just going to, you know, go and see the GP and go back to our mates at the fertility control clinic. Um, So, yeah, we were booked in two days later and had another DNC. And, yeah, I guess because the miscarriage, you know, it hadn't... Well, we hadn't started the miscarriage process... Um, so I wasn't bleeding as much and um, just until after the DNC where there was like a little bit of spotting. But I guess in that sense, yeah, that was a different experience. But, yeah, so that was round two, unfortunately. I just can't. Yeah, I just can't. And, and you're so right. I just I feel for you moving forward, those scanning appointments. Mm. Like, I mean, they're scary for women who haven't experienced miscarriage, so I can't even begin mm. to imagine where, where did you go from there, Nick? Yeah, I feel like I feel like where you are now. I think it's it's really awesome to talk to this, mm-hmm. what you've kind of discovered and how you discovered that, and kind of how you're feeling now about everything that's happened and mm. I suppose moving forward. Yeah, well, um, we we were really determined to you know get to the bottom yeah. of the miscarriages, and yeah. although they are common, you know, having two in a row is not as common, and mm-hmm. so we just wanted to figure out you know, if there was anything wrong or whatever. And we wanted to go to a fertility specialist. And I remember going to my GP and they said, you know, oh, usually we wait for three miscarriages before you look into it. And we were like, no way. Like, I'm not sitting sitting around going through that again. And so we, you know, we got a referral to go and see a fertility specialist. And um, we ended up, you know, Dan and I had to do a whole heap of blood tests. And I got a call couple of days after or whatever it was and he said uh your thyroid levels are really high um so we need to get this sorted out so baby making's on hold at the moment and I was thinking like okay you know I know some of my friends that are on thyroid pills you know maybe I'll just take some pills and we'll be on our way and I was referred to an endocrinologist which is like a the thyroid specialist and um he told me that my levels were like five times higher than your average Joe, and that I had Graves' disease, which is... Did you even know what that was? No. Yeah. I, I was like, am I going to die, like, grave yeah. in the ground? Yeah. It just sounds, it's sounds so morbid. Yeah. Maybe, what, like, what is Graves' disease? So Graves' disease, it's an autoimmune disease, and the symptoms that I... So it's from having, like, a super high, like hyperactive thyroid. So there's hyperactive, which is, like, overactive, and then there's hypo, which is your underactive. And... I had the fast one and it meant that, you know, my symptoms were, I was always running hot. Like remember I was coming into the office and everyone was in jumpers and I was in a singlet and I'm like, these guys are weird. They're so cold. I I mean, again, I'd been pregnant and stuff. I run so hot these days. I was the same. I was sitting there like, no, absolutely not. We're putting the heater on. No way. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I just, I lost a lot of weight, um, like a scary amount of weight. And I just, you know, my muscles were really weak and I was shaky and I just had increased anxiety. So it wasn't a fun time. Um, but yeah, long story short, cause I feel like this is just a whole other <laughs> can of worms to open. Um, in August, I was booked in for a total, um, thyroid, thyroidectomy. I, I can't remember what it's called. They've removed my thyroid. Yes, yeah. Um, and that has now gone and I'm just left with this badass scar, yeah, which is absolutely. cool. Um, and yeah, so after like I had my 10 week checkup and they checked my thyroid levels and now I've been given the okay to start trying again, which is awesome. And scary. is it awesome? Is that, I was going to say, how are you feeling? Yeah, it's, it's, it is really, really exciting. Like there's nothing that I want more yeah, than yeah. getting pregnant, but I also 
it's opened up that whole because we haven't been trying for like six months. Yeah. I forgot about the whole tracking your cycle, <laughs> wanting to have sex, yeah. and then, you know, the wait until you get yeah. your period. I'm like, oh, I forgot about this. Like, here we are again. And I feel like when you're so keen to get pregnant, there's no way of just casually yeah. trying to oh, get pregnant. Yeah. Like, Josh and I said that. Like, let's just casually, <laughs> like, stop you know, protecting it and let's just casually yeah. try. But I was on the app like almost every oh, day trying I know, to figure yeah. it out. So You're like, like yeah. maybe we should have sex tonight. Yeah. It's a I haven't looked at the app, I swear. No. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, sometimes sex becomes more of a task than it does actual yeah. lovemaking. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It is a roller coaster. So yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah, we're back on that ride, but yeah. it is exciting. And I know that it's going to be yeah another wild, wild journey yeah. when we do get pregnant, but I'm pumped for that. And um and yeah, and I think I just wanted to say like working with Kick has just been an absolute lifeline throughout this. Like oh. it's been like the last twelve months has been an like an absolute roller coaster. And Kick's been so such a positive influence in my life. And you and Laura have been so supportive. Oh. And I've just been yeah, it's just kept me going. Like if I didn't have Kick, I don't know how oh, I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're incredibly lucky to have you. Honestly, it's um, you're you're such a joy to have around. You're such a joy to work with, and you you are that positive light. And um, yeah, I mean, as I as I touched on, we were so devastated for you, but mm-hmm. we are as equally excited, you know, for whatever comes next for you, and have every fingers and toes crossed yeah. for you Thank because you. you really really would make the most amazing mum. <laughs> It'd really be would. a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. No, Nick, again, thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing your story and being so raw and open. Mm. It's amazing what you've already done for the community and what they will get out of this is just, mm. yeah, yeah, priceless. So thank you. That's all right. And, um, yeah, if anyone is listening to this and you've gone through um, pregnancy loss at any stage, just remember that you aren't alone and there's so many other women that have gone through this and I just really hope that my stories helped you feel less alone and, yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Nick. As we touched on, she has actually written a blog about her experience, so if you would like to revisit her story or even share it with someone else who you might think we'll get something out of it you can either reshare this podcast to them or her blog which is on the kick blog on our website which is www.keepitcleaner.com as i mentioned at the start of this episode this is the last kick bump kick pod of the year we've got our last kick pod episode coming up this wednesday so be sure to tune in to laws and i as we reflect on the year but thank you so much for listening guys you can find us on instagram we're not going anywhere over there at keep a cleaner and i'm at steph claire smith Thank you for listening, sending lots and lots of love. Hope you have a lot of fun with your family and friends and whatever you do this holiday season. But yes, thank you for listening. Listening.